1: Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
0: We are back with the second half of the Curtain Call podcast. Once again, my name is Michael Beck. Joined as always by Jeffrey Benedict in Snowy, Pittsburgh. Jeffrey, how are you?
2: Doing good, still, Mike. I, I'm actually, this year, I'm not getting tired of draft talk. Normally by this point, I'm absolutely sick of it. But... Uh, but I'm enjoying it this year.
0: You know what? I have a theory on this. I think last year it was easy to kind of get sick of because the Steelers didn't have a first round pick. And it t- took a little bit of the fun away. If I'm being honest, that's how I felt. But this year, the Steelers could genuinely go in like 10 different directions. Oh, even more than that. Uh, you you could list 30 names. and I'd be like, I don't know who these guys did pick. Uh, are you feeling the same thing?
2: Oh yeah. Uh give an example of that in our uh, Slack chat. Uh, Shannon White and I were talking. We were we were having a discussion about offensive linemen, and I was talking about like Creed Humphrey and his mobility and outside zone play and his ability to pull. And then we were talking about like, are the Steelers even going to go that way? Could they go more with like straight power guys? And you look at like the Ohio State guys, and you're like, we we could do an inside based more power running game. Pick up a Trey Sermon. Pick up uh, their center, Josh Myers. Josh Myers. And, and just be more of that bully interior running team. Or, or we could go completely different direction and get like a Travis Etienne and a Creed Humphreys and be outside. Like there's so much we don't know that even like looking at offensive line and running back, you're like we could go in completely different directions. And that's why I think this draft is so exciting is who the Steelers do pick is going to tell so much about what this team is going to be doing in the future.
0: Yeah, it really is. Uh, I think that's another one of those exciting things. As we get closer to the draft, you look at Matt Cannon's system and you think to yourself, he could run a, a, like a ton of different things here. We don't really know what the system is exactly, and I think a lot of those answers will be questioned after the second day of the NFL draft. Are you feeling the same thing?
2: Yeah, yeah. I really think we're gonna see. We're gonna see where where Matt Canada wants this offense to go.
0: And genuinely, as we sit here right now, it could be any of the top running backs, any of the top offense linemen, heck, heck, they might go some quarterback we've never heard of and just blow all our minds. Like, I have no idea. There is no insight on what the Steelers could uh, be doing uh, a week tomorrow, which is crazy to think of uh, the draft is almost upon us, but the Steelers news of the week, Mike Tomlin got a three-year contract extension. What to, what were your uh, original thoughts the second you read that?
2: I was surprised it was three years. I know they they typically do stuff, but they've uh, Tomlin and Colbert have been kind of seeming more like they're they're not really committed. You know, like like Colbert wants to do it year by year. Tom was doing shorter extensions, and, and the talk was, you know, maybe maybe these guys are going to be done. You know, maybe they're going to be done together in a few years. Uh, but for a three-year deal for Mike Tomlin, to me, that is a big future commitment from the Steelers in coaching contract terms. And I think, to me, that says uh, that not they don't want Mike Tomlin just until Ben retires, that Mike Tomlin is the guy uh, going forward. And it doesn't just say that from the Steelers' side. It says Mike Tomlin, to me, wants to be that guy. And, and I think... To, to me, this says they're, they're sending a signal that this this relationship is nowhere near, near the end.
0: Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that I've kind of hypothesized is the Steelers are kind of going through this transition. And if Mike Tomlin did want to uh, eventually move on from this uh, NFL head coaching uh, journey, by, by extending his time past when Ben Roethlisberger career – well, he puts a bow on his career, really – Uh, by staying a couple years in in the transition period, it it also set up the next head coach for a little bit more success earlier on. And I I think that's one of the reasons why the Steelers have been so successful over the last 60 years of having just so few coaches is because when the next guy comes in, there's still a pretty good foundation in place when they take the job over. And I I think Mike Tomlin might, uh, if he's the guy that's sitting through the transition before he turns over the keys, I I think that uh, that might be something – that just benefits the next guy. Is that something uh, you'd agree with?
2: Yeah, only. Uh, I'm gonna put a caveat on that. Mike Tomlin is 49 years old. This is true. I could see him coaching into his 60s with the Steelers. I I think his tenure could be could be much more Chuck Noll, uh, and, and longer even uh, than. Well, yeah, it'd be what was Chuck Noll? 22, 23 seasons.
0: Sixty
2: nine to uh, ninety one. Yeah, 22. however many that is, math geniuses twenty two or twenty three. Nerds, Nerd. <laughs> nerds, nerds. Um, sorry Nerd. about that.
0: No, uh, you're not. I'm not.
2: <laughs> not at all. Um, yeah, so I could see him. I could honestly see Mike Tomlin breaking that number. I could see him coaching for even longer than Chuck Noll did, uh, simply because Tomlin is the guy who always talks about loving the process, and he's a guy who does love the process of football. Uh, he gets into the day-to-day stuff, and he always says, if, if, you, if you don't love the day-to-day work of this, then you don't belong here. He's that guy, and I could see him being a real like lifer as a head coach. And the way the Pittsburgh Steelers operate, that means he could be here. We could be talking about the Steelers have had three coaches in 80 years. By the time he's done.
0: It's, it's a crazy thought to think of uh, Mike Tomlin, head coach, 2050. But uh, Coach Belichick just turned 69. Nice. Uh, what? A couple days ago. So uh, who knows? Mike Tomlin could be that guy too. But uh, why are people so mad about this extension? <laughs> you
2: know, uh, people are mad because there are people who don't like Mike Tomlin. And they are consistently frustrated that the Steelers don't care that the Steelers love Mike Tomlin, that the Roonies like him, that all the players that play for him love Mike Tomlin, that players that play against Mike Tomlin love Mike Tomlin, and that if he left the Steelers, he would be the top coaching prospect in the NFL, and and there would be a bidding war for him because he's not even 50 years old. (laughs) He would be like, and players love him, and he has nothing but success. Uh, he, he has a better record with backup quarterbacks than Bill Belichick does. Like, wrap your head around that. Like, he has – not only does he not have a, a losing season, every backup quarterback that has started for Mike Tomlin has at least a 500 record, including Devlin Hodges, right, and like yeah. Byron Leftwich and Dennis Dixon and Michael Vick. They all win more than they lose when they play for Mike, Mike Tomlin. Landry Jones has a winning record with Mike Tomlin. Like, what team wouldn't take him as a coach? Uh, So there's people that are angry about this because they don't like Mike Tomlin. And the rest of the world is like, we don't care. Like, they have their own little, like, fire Tomlin crowd. And outside of that, Mike Tomlin is a great football coach. Sorry. Sorry.
0: Yeah, the way I see it, if Mike Tomlin were to be fired by the Pittsburgh Steelers, it wouldn't be the end of the day before he had a, a, another head coaching job somewhere else. Like genuinely, I think that's how fast it would go. There would be no reason for an interview process to just be like, oh, Tomlin's available? Well, we have Kyle Shanahan, but like seriously, like like I I couldn't name you twenty eight teams that wouldn't be putting a phone call in. And yeah, like as I think much as,
2: go ahead. As much fuss as teams made over Urban Meyer. If the Steelers had fired Mike Tomlin, Urban Meyer would have been the second best coach on the coaching market. He would have been the second hottest coaching commodity. And yet, people you can talk about, oh, it was the last time they won in the playoffs. You know what? Teams do that. That freaking happens. You know, Tom Brady won seven. I I pointed this out in in an earlier conversation today, but in the 15 seasons, Tom Brady did not have Wes Welker or Randy Moss on his team. He won seven Super Bowls. In the seasons he had, those guys he didn't. Like, they teams lose games. What what has Sean Payton done in New Orleans with with Drew Brees? Uh, What has Aaron Rodgers done in Green Bay? Like, nobody in this era has done much. They just just haven't. Peyton Manning uh, won one Super Bowl with the Colts. You know, he went to a second team and ended up winning another one, but – he won one Super Bowl with the Colts. They had all that time together. They won one Super Bowl. Tomlin's won one Super Bowl with Ben Roethlisberger. That's normally what you get.
0: Yeah, and uh, it, it's one of the more frustrating things, uh, I'd say, on social media the last couple of days. There's some of these takes about Mike Tomlin. But genuinely, how long do you think Mike Tomlin will continue to do this for? To coach? Yeah, to be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ten years, ten more years.
2: I think he's got ten more in him.
0: Uh, I could see him wanting to go to be the the longest tenured guy in Steelers history. I I think those kind of uh, those numbers means mean stuff to people. I, I could see that uh, making sense for Mike Tomlin. But uh, before we move on to other stuff, do you think Mike Tomlin, as we sit here today, is already the greatest minority head coach in the history of the NFL?
2: I I don't know. I like, of, but I I don't you know what uh I would rank him right now.
0: It'd be between him and Tony Dungy, I'd say.
2: Ooh, okay. If, if we're just matching those two up, um. Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna. I take Tomlin. I, I, I take think Tomlin there's a over first Tony Dungy. To and T- Dungy's a fantastic head coach. So yeah, I would take. Uh, yeah, I think I'd take Tomlin over Dungy. I Tomlin Tomlin is second to Bill Belichick in his coaching tenure. In the years he's been a head coach, the only coach better than him is Bill Belichick. And that's it. And you got to put a question mark on that cuz we got to see Bill Belichick do anything remotely good without Tom Brady. Other than be like, "Wow, look how smart he is." Oh, they lost again. You know, I show me bill belichick being a super bowl contender without tom brady and and you know then let's then i'll then i'll put him back up on that pedestal and say tom was nowhere close to him but i think tomlin's honestly closer to belichick uh than than people want to give him credit for
0: yeah and i can i can totally agree with that i think this is a pretty big year for bill belichick coming up if the patriots flop with all their signings and I think by all means, they're probably going to make a play for a for a top 10 quarterback. And all the guys that opted out last year coming back, if the Patriots flop, all of a sudden people are going to be like, oh, did Brady make Belichick? And like, I, I think that it's a reasonable conversation to have if he flops again with this pretty solid roster. So something to watch for. But uh, moving away from the Mike Tomlin stuff and getting a little bit back into the, the draft side of things, Tonight is going to be the last night that we have a specialized, uh, uh, special guest, I should say, from schools. Next week, we're going to do kind of a. We still will have a special guest, but to kind of cover the Steelers in general throughout the entire draft process, being the the, the show before the draft goes on. But throughout this whole process, we've talked to a number of schools. We've talked to Alabama, we've talked to Michigan, Penn State, Pitt, which was fun. Uh, uh, Ohio State tonight. Um, is there one school that really sticks out to you where you're like, you know what? The Steelers could take a number of guys out of this program.
2: I think Ohio State really does stand out there because I like four other guys. Uh, Sean Wade would be a great, uh, in my opinion, replacement for Mike Hilton in that kind of a role. I think he's a natural fit. He's, he's, he's kind of that safety slot corner hybrid that the Steelers absolutely love. I think Pete Werner would be a fantastic pickup. His athletic profile uh, isn't Devin Bush. But when you go past straight line speed, his agility scores, his strength, his, his jumps, all his, all his measurements are in the same range as a Devin Bush. You know, and he's so – I think he would really be a good, a good fit for them. Then you've got Josh Myers, who if they go to a more power style, Trey Sermon, that's another option for them if for some reason the Steelers were to trade up for a quarterback, who's more likely for it to be than Justin Fields? Like, you know, like this is all kind of like Ohio state has a team that really fits with what the Steelers seem to be doing, uh, seem to be heading for. And they've got some defensive players that really look like they would fit the Steelers.
0: They really do. And, before I lose the comment here, uh, Kathy uh, Foret asks, because it is the title of the show after all, how, how many Ohio State Buckeyes will the Pittsburgh Steelers draft? Put a bow on it.
2: I can't see it being three, but I could definitely see two. Uh, I can, I see, can see, see that. A as well. I see the late round pick and a, a mid round pick.
0: So this might tie into uh, an article that I have running tomorrow morning uh, about the Steelers if they miss out on the top three running backs of this upcoming draft. Could Trey Sermon be be the answer at, at that running back spot, or is there still uh, some questions uh, that arise from having a, a second tier running back, uh, another one really on this roster?
2: I think, I think Sermon really would fit. He would, uh, he would immediately, and and people would love this. He would make Benny Snell expendable because. Uh, sermon is more of an inside runner. He, he's from the film I've watched and what I've seen, his big plays are those inside and outside zone plays where he cuts up and navigates traffic and all of a sudden he's through. Uh, so if we go more of a zone blocking, if we go more of an inside, outside zone blocking scheme, sermon could definitely be that guy. Uh, and he's not a top end speed guy, but he's also not slow. Like he he's got some quickness to him. He's he's not going to be late career levy on bell where by 8 yards he's getting run down from behind by defensive linemen. Uh the Sermon has some speed. He can he can break some plays.
0: I, I can definitely agree with that. I think it's going to be uh I think it's going to be a, an interesting draft when it comes to what schools the Steelers are p- p- picking guys out of. I kind of see, especially with – I believe Kevin Colbert said a year ago or less than a year ago that they would be favoring schools that played this year. And, of course, there are some schools that played more. So I think there's going to be some extra value in the Alabamas and Clemson. The Big Ten didn't play as many many games – but uh, because they're local, I could foresee guys from Penn State, Pitt, Ohio State, Michigan, I could see a lot of the picks being kind of uh, from schools that are around the Steelers organization. Do you kind of see that too, or are they going to be uh, sticking close to home and kind of snubbing maybe the, the Division two guys and guys on the West Coast and guys from the South?
2: I don't think the year has much to do with it. Uh, I could see them swinging. They normally do do two from one. You'll see like uh, where they double up stuff and they, they get, you know, three guys from one conference and two of them from the same team. Uh, but no, I, I, don't, I don't think it would be like a focus, and I don't think it would be because of COVID. Uh, I could see the SEC going, getting taken harder just because they played so many games compared to everyone else.
0: Yeah, I I think that will be one factor that you'll see across pretty much the entire NFL. A lot of guys coming out of the SEC, they normally do, but it it could be a a more inflated number than uh, most years. But a question here that I've asked you pretty much every other week uh, since we started this draft process uh, is in regards to draft clarity in the Pittsburgh Steelers. When we first started this, it was as murky as the water could be. To me, as we sit here right now, what, eight days before the draft, I still feel like we're sitting in fairly murky water. Do you see any kind of direction starting to form out for the Pittsburgh Steelers, or is it still just a ton of question marks?
2: I don't know if I talked about this on last week's show, but I think uh, the first round, if the first round isn't offensive line or running back, then the Steelers have painted themselves into a hole. Like they've really they've dug themselves into a bit of a hole there because they have to address both positions. And you, you, you aren't taking someone in the fourth round and saying that's our new number one running back, or that's our starting center by week four. You're not doing that in the fourth round, which means you have three picks to fill two positions of of need. So that's, I think the Steelers have kind of painted themselves into a situation where they really, really have to address these positions and they have to do it early in the draft, uh, and that is that is unusual because I'm always the guy who says the Steelers never go into the draft having those kind of needs, but they really do. This season, they really do have those needs, uh, and I will be incredibly surprised if we don't see a center and a running back taken by, by the time the third round ends.
0: Uh, I can definitely agree with that. I, I foresee a lot of mock drafts coming out that pretty much go – Center, tackle, running back, running back, center, tackle, some sort of order. It seems to be kind of the theme if they don't add another pick, which I know a lot of Steelers fans like to do. But building off of what you said, the Steelers typically are buttoned up before the draft happens. And once again, eight days until the draft, at the moment of uh, recording this podcast, could the Steelers sign anyone within this next week before, uh, before they're on the clock?
2: Yeah, I don't think so. There's not really anyone to sign. Uh, at this point, they'll probably wait till afterwards and see and see what they get. And if you, you know, maybe if the situation doesn't go well and you don't get a running back, maybe you do, you know, kick the tires on an older running back around. Uh, maybe, you know, there, there are some people out there, but they're not someone you're going to sign before the draft because they're not the guy you want, right? They're not the number one guy you want. So the Steelers are going to go for it in the draft. Uh, but I could see someone after the draft as a – you know, oops, we uh, we need <laughs> we need something here.
0: When you look at the Steelers roster, though, and you take into consideration, I know Dave Schofield. I believe it, it was one of his old Stat Geek podcasts, going back a couple of weeks. Uh, the percentages that these guys play at after each round goes by, it seems like the Steelers still need to sign some players to fill these holes because these draft picks won't be inserted in the lineup and won't be doing so potentially not even this upcoming year, but maybe in uh, 2022. Could you see the Steelers make kind of a a run of signings once that compensatory formula is off the table that, that first Monday after the draft is over?
2: I don't think so. They don't really have the money for that. I I think you're going to see more of the pickup guys who are kind of like never got a chance from last year. We've seen some of them. Uh, We've seen some kind of reclamation project kind of, kind of signings, but they're not going to be able to. Uh, I'm trying I think the term Dave always uses. I think it's uh, over dis- displacement, right? They're not going to. They're not going to be able to add much salary versus displacement. Where you know when you add someone to the 53 man, you kick them off. Compare their salaries. That's how much you added to your salary cap in, in reality. Uh, so I think. I think really looking at that, they've got to stay cheap. It's got to stay cheap. Yeah, they have around 10 million dollars, but that's your. That's your draft class and a little bit of money to get you through the season if people get hurt.
0: To be fair, though, I think everyone that's left in free agency is probably not getting offered much more than the veteran minimum, uh, especially this late in the game, uh, money just not being available because of the COVID year. So I could still see them bringing in potentially a veteran running back. Uh, I think edge rusher, backup edge is one that I would kind of consider to be more likely if they don't draft one with their first four or five picks. I could see that happening. Uh, I think a Ryan Kerrigan might be a name. I know he's 33 and the Steelers don't typically sign older players, but if you don't, if Cassius Marsh is your primary backup, you're okay. in a serious pickle. And I, I think yeah. I think they should look, look into bringing in a player like that. Uh, before we run out of time today, though, uh, we haven't even mentioned the NFL rule changes. They became official today. Uh, really pretty mellow, pretty vanilla in terms of, Basically, there aren't many rule changes. Uh, Some penalties on extra points that doesn't really affect the game. Uh, Preseason doesn't have overtime. Now, really the biggest ruling is the brand-new jersey rules where uh, skill players and uh, defensive – not defensive ends, but outside linebackers and corners and safeties basically can wear one from 49 or the numbers that they were originally also allowed to wear. Do you like this rule? To me – I'm I'm 24-year-old guy. I mean, I feel like this is the kind of market they're trying to appeal to. And personally, I hate it. I, I think it just kind of looks tacky. It looks kind of like you're going to a high school game. And I don't love it. So I'm curious to know your thoughts on this.
2: I actually love it. I really, really like it. I've always been a fan in any sport of really big guys with single-digit numbers. <laughs> like, you just, it, they just look huge. And it, it, it always cracks me up. Um, I... Being being uh being a Michigan fan, Charles Woodson wearing number two back in the the Lloyd Carr days, where that number two kind of rotated. I love that stuff. I love the idea that like you you put more value in a number. You know, I I I see. I think there's a big deal. Like Alex Highsmith wearing number fifty six carries so much weight for me. Like he's taken on that kind of mantle to be like I'm going to be this guy. I'm gonna Hell yeah. you know take this number and do it justice. I love that. I I love all the different number things, and I, I really want to see I he's already said he's not gonna do it, but I would love to see Joe Hayden go back to number five. I you know, I'd I'd love to see you know Minka Patrick take a single digit number. I, I'd love it. I, I wanna see a – like uh, what was it, Reggie Bush uh, number five another number and, five? Yeah. yeah. I'd love to see it. I, I think that would be great.
0: Uh, it's interesting you say that in my opinion, if you're wearing a single digit, you better be the baddest dude on the field. Cause otherwise you look like a huge dork. If you yeah. rock, 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 on in the field, wearing number one and you suck. Oh, you're getting chirped until you cry. Like you better, yeah. you better play good if you're wearing a single digit.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the reasons I love it is it's just, it's that move. Like when you see a deep, you see a pass rusher wearing like number one, you're just like, Better be that guy. Like you, better be the dude. T.J. Watt could rock a number one.
0: Ooh, have the steel. When was the last time the Steelers have issued number one? Though, come to think of it, I, I think it might be like a team philosophy that they don't issue that number. I, I'm pretty sure it might be.
2: I don't know. That would be a good Dave Schofield question. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to we'll throw have to it in that you... to him. Have him answer that on
0: the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, previews tomorrow night. Maybe we can uh, get him look into it uh, for us and. Uh, Reported yeah. out to the masses tomorrow.
2: Dave Schofield, there's your challenge.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, outside of that, I think one last thing with the jersey number before uh, we hang up the line here. Uh, do you think jersey collectors should get some sort of kickback if all, all of a sudden all their favorite players are changing their numbers? Uh, do you think that's fair for people that spend a lot of money? They're expensive, 150 bucks, 200 bucks, depending on what kind of quality. It, is that something that uh, you, you might have a problem
2: with? Well, I don't think you're going to see as many veterans change numbers. I don't think you're going to see many of them. Uh, I don't know if they still do it, but it used to be if you changed your number, like you had to get permission. It had to account; they had to account for like jerseys that were made of yours before before you got to change numbers. Uh, Unless, of course, you change teams. So, I think I think that's one thing. If you're a free agent signing with a new team, you might you can change your number because. Someone else has a you know if they have a jersey with your number on it, name on it it's from your old team it's not accurate anyways uh, but I think teams that players that are staying on teams are probably going to have to deal with that from the NFL too to be like well you're changing this number we're selling jerseys we've got ones made sitting in the you know sitting in the warehouse ready to ready to sell where well, you know you have to do something about that uh, so I don't I don't think that'll be as big of an issue I think it'll be more. Rookies coming in, people changing teams as free agents, picking different numbers.
0: Awesome. Um, Well, the next time you'll be seeing this duo will be the night before the draft. Man, it's kind of flown by already this offseason, so that's going to be exciting to get to. Uh, Our draft
2: spectacular.
0: I I like it. Maybe that's what we should name it, but... uh (laughs) I, I guess Brian uh, Brian Anthony Davis has the the last call when it comes to those things, but uh, we'll run it past him. But uh, before we get out, is it is there anything you want to plug?
2: Uh yeah, I had some articles this week. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I had one. Oh, we just did a we just did a vertex on the backup defensive lineman. Um, focuses a lot on Carlos Davis, the young rookie who I. Absolutely trashed. I did it politely, but if you if you read my rookie uh, right after the draft, my review of his college film, I destroyed this poor young man uh, and really pointed out that his college film was just full of holes. And he came in and played in week nine and looked like a very like a completely different player. Uh, he he's gone to someone that I'm that I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do this season. Uh, so check that out. Uh, that's really it.
0: And to uh, put the cherry on top, I cannot stress enough how much content we're going to be bringing to you over the next week at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and on the podcast side. Really, there's going to be a ton of information coming at you. I know Dave Schofield is doing a, a quick 10-minute uh, podcast after each and every pick that will be available uh, wherever you get your podcast from. So make sure you're subscribed to, uh, to us on YouTube. You're following on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and on top of that, wherever you get your podcast from, you're going to be getting a ton of information on that side strictly. So make sure you're uh, clicking over there um, to uh, give us five stars on on your Apple Podcasts or uh, leave me a comment because that really does help boost the show and you're going to get a ton of content coming your way. Uh, before I sign out here, uh, Wes Hickok uh, ooh, puts $2 in the tip jar. Uh, he said, Gary Anderson is the only Steeler to ever wear number one. Uh, I'm going to have to believe you on that. I, I believe you're right. I think Gary Anderson at least was the last guy. Uh, maybe uh, maybe we could get to Dave Schofield to uh, confirm that for, on tomorrow's preview. Uh, but I'm going to believe you completely, Wes. So thank you for the $2. And as always, it, it's a pleasure to join you guys each and every week on these Wednesday nights. So uh, looking forward to do it one more time before the draft, and uh, we'll see you guys then. Anatomy of an ad.
1: Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect.